there will be spoilers, 100 films, 100 podcasts. My name is Matt Bazell. And I'm Ethan Knight. And Ethan, we're back with number 12 on the AFI Top 100 list. That's 1956's The Searchers. The Searchers. Had you seen this film before? No, I had not. John Wayne. Never seen a John Wayne film until now. Really? Yeah. Wow. But we'll leave all that aside for now. And I think for the moment, why don't we get a plot synopsis? Yes, let's. So The Searchers is the story of Ethan Edwards. That's weird. Uh, because of Ethan, right? That never happens to me. Um, anyway, the story is, uh, the Searchers is the story of Ethan Edwards, a Confederate Civil War veteran who returns to his family in Texas after both the Civil War and the Mexican Revolutionary War. With him, he brings a large amount of gold, a medal from the war, and other mementos. It is implied that perhaps in the time between his return and the war, he may have been involved in less than savory activities. Shortly after his return, he takes up with the Texas Rangers, led by Reverend Captain Samuel Clayton, to help recover stolen cattle. The group discovers the cattle, and Ethan realizes that the theft was a ploy by Comanche Native Americans to lure the men away from their homes. He returns to his brother's home with his adopted nephew Martin to find the house burned, his brother and sister-in-law dead, and the two daughters abducted. Ethan leads a group of men to find the daughters, but their numbers are too small to make any real attack against the Comanche. The men leave Ethan, Martin, and Brad Jorgensen, the fiancé of older daughter Lucy, to continue the search. Ethan eventually finds Lucy's body, and Brad goes after the Comanche himself. He's quickly killed. Winter comes, and Ethan and Martin are forced to return home to the Jorgensons. Lori Jorgensen, who is in love with Martin, hopes Martin will stay with her, but after Ethan receives a letter from a man named Futterman promising information about remaining sister Debbie, the two head off together. Futterman explains that Debbie has been taken by a Comanche leader named Scar. Later, Futterman tries to kill Ethan for his money, and Ethan, of course, kills him. In the ensuing years, Martin accidentally buys a Comanche wife. The two men discover some of Scar's people slaughtered by soldiers, eventually including Martin's wife. They find Scar in New Mexico, where a much older Debbie has been made one of his wives. Debbie by this time has assimilated into the Comanche culture, and Ethan tries to kill her. Martin protects her, and the group is attacked by Scar and his men. Martin and Ethan have to flee without Debbie. While Martin and Ethan have been gone, Lori Jorgensen becomes engaged to another man. The two arrive back home on the night of her wedding, and Martin fights her fiancé because the two of them are in love. Ethan is suspected in the murder of Futterman, but a soldier arrives announcing that the Comanche are nearby, leaving all that to the wayside. Martin sneaks ahead before a planned attack on the Comanche and saves Debbie, and then Ethan and the Texas Rangers storm the camp and murder the remaining Native Americans. Ethan spies Debbie and chases her, but rather than kill her, he accepts her and brings her into the Jorgensen home, where everyone but Ethan begins to settle in. As the film ends, Ethan begins walking away from the home. Because he's got to be walking to the sunset, right? That's like a trademark. Into the sunset, yes. <laughs> I also was really confused as to why Ethan is the one who gets to pick up Debbie and actually carry her home through the threshold. When it's Martin doing like his ninja sneaking around, who apparently, you know, they don't really see it. They don't really show it that well. But I think he's the one that kills Scar and Ethan just I scalps so. him later. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So that was like, why are you... 
or why are you white knighting right now when Martin's the one who like went to yeah. the trenches for this? Because I yeah, because I, I really think we're meant to understand that Ethan is not a good guy. <laughs> like even that, he can't let Martin have that. That's interesting. Do you think this movie wants us to think that the John Wayne character is not a good guy? Well, I I think that it wants it wants to hint at us at its original audience. No, I don't think that they were making him out to be the villain or or really a, a, a bad dude. Um, but I think that that it hints right that he has some sort of uh, darker tendencies. I think in today's lens, yeah, he's not a great guy, right? He's he's Ahab. He's very Ahab like, right? Yeah, I can see that. In that he has an obsession, and it happens to be, in this case, well, it's it's larger than just regaining Debbie, right? It's the Comanche, yeah, yeah he hates the Comanche overall, the Comanche yeah. as he calls them, the Comanche, which I just really hated. But yeah, it was unpleasant to listen to. Yeah, the reason I asked you this question is because I feel like this film wants us to believe that. This troubled Civil War Confederate veteran who's been wearing his Confederacy jacket three years after yeah. the war has ended, which is ugh, not a good look. No. Calls him Yankee dollars, which is like, those are just dollars now. Just dollars. He is overtly racist to his adoptive nephew, Martin, yes. who is one-eighth. Is he Comanche? Uh, no, I thought he said he was Cherokee or something. That's right, Cherokee. One eighth Cherokee and is always saying racist things. I assume when he's saying blanket head to him, I assume that's some kind of slur as well. Yeah, I think it's a Native, a Native American thing. So he's overtly racist and hostile to this guy. He is unsympathetic in that regard, certainly. And I think that's intentional for 1956. And by the end, his whole character arc and redemption is that he doesn't kill a family member who was raped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not really the the greatest arc. It's one yeah, of the worst ones. <laughs> yeah, I I would say yes. And I think that, you know, this is what 56 you said? Yeah. That this comes out. I think that we really have changed the way we think about the West, right, or the, just that concept of the of the West and and Native Americans, and I mean, I I think that this is a this is really a film that we can hold up to say like, yeah, we in the in the last sixty seventy years, you know, things have changed a, a lot, uh, because I mean, think about this, right? You're you're right. His arc is that he's a, he's a racist, and then he becomes slightly less racist, uh, yeah, and that's and, what and redeems not him, like determined to murder someone based on like this toxic masculinity about purity and women virginity and stuff right and i think on top of it too the 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 film implies i think that debbie is maybe his daughter too oh okay you know what i was you know the very first several scenes where he's with martha's sister-in-law and we're like yeah some weird looks going on here that makes yeah. a lot of sense. In that. I think she, yeah, yeah, I think that's completely fair. I don't know why because I that. well, and Debbie, they say Debbie's eight years old, and he's been gone eight years, ah. right? And 
yeah, the uh, his sister in law is like sniffing his coat, like secretly in the room and stuff. You know, yeah, it's not good. So I think that like that adds this other sort of fucked up layer to it. Um, that it's like it becomes very weirdly paternalistic, and I think that there is in my own reading, uh, you know, of early nineteenth century stuff, there there is an idea that right that like you you go native right that sort of racist term yeah um if you're if you live with the native americans too long and and in fact i just i read a novel uh just a few months ago where it's got a very similar plot right the the little girl gets taken uh at the beginning and lives with the native americans for years and years and they're like come back to us come back to us and she's like no it's not hope leslie is it yeah it is hope leslie that's exactly it yeah but anyway yes so this is a trope this happens in you know in these sorts of stories right this sort of captured woman stories yeah uh, and you know that's again that's like a story i you know the, the the counter to that is like dances with wolves right which is maybe much more akin to how we would tell that story like now and last the mohicans yeah 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 so this is a real thing right the captured woman story historically true yeah. but not always as it seems certainly not always as this movie portrays in fact it was very common knowledge that sol ross the statue that people leave a penny at at a&m mm-hmm. was a native american fighter and would go on raids to recapture women that were captured by native americans mm-hmm. however more often than not he was liberating women who were perfectly happy in their relationships mm-hmm. yep <laughs> and murdering a lot of yeah murdering a lot of people as a result and that's usually yeah. not known because you're thinking oh look at this hero he's doing all these these brave raids to save pretty much white purity right yeah and the reality is that these women willingly went over to these native tribes because they had more fulfilled lives that way right they had yeah. more more quality of life and had more options and more freedom yeah, I think it's it's pretty well understood that uh, you know women in in many of the Native American cultures had, in general, a, a sort of more free and powerful place than in early American culture. Right. Absolutely. You know? And that's not to say so, this was one hundred percent always the case, but no, there's definitely not. historical fact to the side that this film desperately does not want to show. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. And yeah. We, we can maybe i've got more to say but maybe it's more appropriate to save it for questions yeah i think that's right but before that i have got a pivotal scene that kind of yes. echoes a lot of what we've already been talking about yes. this is where they go to the fort and find the white women who have been liberated oh, and they yeah. are all deeply traumatized by their experience so let's go ahead and take a listen all right Demon. yes we're looking for a girl White girl, captive. Should be about 14 now. 14? We've got two about that age. Where? Sergeant, all the white women are in the chapel, doctor. What's this girl to you? She's, She's my, my niece. One moment. Uh, white women? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, 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 uh. 
Stand up. Stand up, please. <laughs> Debbie? Hard to believe they're white. They ain't white anymore. They're Comanche. For your casualties. The reason I chose this scene is should be pretty clear from our conversation. <laughs> this idea that, like like you said, they have gone native, right? That they have become less than human by yeah, becoming yeah. Comanche. They're not white anymore. They're Comanche, right. and yeah. that they're all raving, basically. Yeah, which is supposed to belie deep trauma in this this film's own idea of what that experience living with the Comanche is. But the fact that they don't even recognize that, they don't even say, "Oh, it's terrible how these women have been abused," right? They don't even right. kind of stick with their own narrative. There, they say, "Like this is what it means to be Comanche." Mm-hmm. So they take it even a further step, a further more deplorable step. Yeah. It's not a good look. Not a good look. That was really the the straw that broke it for me, I think, this film. Yeah. I mean, already I had disliked all the John Wayne antics. I just don't think he's a good actor, at least by what he portrays in this film. Well. Yeah, and well, and what's what's worth noting too is that his his actual personal politics were were pretty not good. Yeah, as well. Uh, so all all around, maybe a, uh, a a quite problematic individual. He sounds drunk the whole time. Y- yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if maybe he was. I don't know enough about that. Maybe I shouldn't speculate. <laughs> I don't think he does very well in this film, but the people who surround him. There are some really great people in this film. And I wrote down a lot of this because I'm always on IMDb when I'm watching a film, just looking yeah. at who's and what and what I remember them from. And I want to read you from some of these because these are all top 100 films that we have seen or will see that have people from them. Okay. So the 15-year-old Debbie, once yeah. they've liberated her, that's Maria from West Side Story. Oh. You would not know this other than having to look it up like I did, but yeah. the woman that is consoling the lady with the doll in the fort, mm-hmm. yeah. she's from Intolerance. She's like the main really? character in that. Oh, from one of, the, one of the larger vignettes. The, what is he, Swedish or Norwegian? Uh, Laurie's Jordanson? father. Yeah. yeah. That's Berger from Casablanca. He's a small role in Casablanca. Oh. The Clayton, the captain reverend, that's yeah. Bert from A Wonderful Life. I knew he looked familiar. And, of course, Laurie is, of course, Lila from Psycho. Yes. Yes. I thought so. So I thought she looked familiar. A lot familiar. of great people surrounding, which is, I think, if I had to venture a guess, is how you get a John Wayne film off the ground is that you yeah. have these great people surrounding. And I think, like, characters like Moe's, despite yes. problematic nature of representing mental health, I think is a lot of, like, he's a warm character. Yeah, he's he's sort of a fun character, and and I just and I mean this film does set up that uh, 
an interesting back and forth between uh, John Wayne's character and and the Martin character, right? That like Martin is this sort of young idealistic kid, uh, whereas John Wayne's character Ethan is old and grizzled and sees only the worst, right? Uh, and and this I think we see repeated a lot. Well, and we can talk about yeah, it more. Yeah, I, I mean, think... it's so tired, right? Like, that's something yeah. that we see in every piece of fiction. Yeah, especially Westerns. Like, I mean, think about – well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll hold on to that. Sure. I, I do want to finish up and say that, like, Laurie's character is just awesome. She's just amazing in this yes, film. Yes, Laurie's great. Laurie's a, Laurie's a really fun character. She goes after what she wants, and even though Martin's too stupid to see it. And also, he's got some weird things about – women too right there's the yeah. idea that even this woman who's really just throwing herself at him not in like a sexual way necessarily but saying like he like yeah i he, want to be with you i want to be committed to you and he's like oh no you can't see me in the bath get away mm, i'm not wearing your clothes right well and then when he accidentally buys that that wife he kicks her down that hill oh my gosh yeah so i watched this movie with my wife and we were sitting there, and then he just hauls off and double leg kicks her down a yes. hill. And then they pick her up and start roughly interrogating her about yeah. where Scar is. And we just looked at each other like, is this happening? Like, there's such a, a, a crazy violence towards women on like, the good side. I'm using heavy uh, yes. air quotes. And the bad side. Yeah. Olivia was like, that's traumatic after he kicked her down the <laughs> Yeah, that was wild. And it wasn't just like, oh, funny nudge you down the hill. No. Uh-huh. It was like, let me like try to hurt you yeah it was it was a little and then and of course she dies right like he treats her like shit and she dies because of him yeah and know? her like intentions are unknown right we don't know if she was warning scar or looking to help her husband martin but right. i i assume it was probably help the husband martin and they just did not give a shit because they're yeah. two terrible men well, and and I mean, it, she becomes what like a footnote in his letter. Ha ha! Whoops, that that was fun. <laughs> Which gives you that know. suitor at the time of Lori ammunition, saying, "Oh, he must be getting all these Native American women. Right. And he doesn't care about yeah. you, Lori." And I don't know what Lori sees in that guy, except for he's got the craziest accent that disappears oh. entirely when he sings. It doesn't sound right. What does he call her? His fiancée? fiancy get away from my get fiancy. your hands off my fiancy yeah that's exactly how he talks and it's weird because this film becomes a comedy at the last yeah, 30 minutes until the last yeah. five minutes when they do like the native american raid right where they slaughter the uh the entire community yeah which you see like women and children running around and they're just like f it, it yeah. kill them all yeah maybe now is a good time to talk about our three questions yeah maybe it is but before we do that, let's talk about Anchor. Okay, I will. So our first question, what do we owe to this film? <sighs> well, I think that this may be the first, like, the, well, maybe not the absolute first, but this is one of the, the sort of purest westerns, I think, that we've seen on this, on this list. I mean, it has John Wayne, and, and it's, I don't think it's really trying to subvert anything like we've seen in a lot of these other ones i mean this this is a pretty straightforwardly like you know you you have john wayne who's the good guy and maybe he's tarnished or whatever but he you know he's the good guy fighting the the native americans and that's it and the native americans are just this you know uh 
overwhelmingly evil group, you know what I mean? This violent, savage, evil group, whatever, you know, very racist sort of depiction. Um, so I think in a lot of ways we get to see here what a lot of the other movies on this list have been, have been playing with, right? Um, particularly in the, in the terms of like visual, uh, storytelling, which is to say the huge vistas, right? The, uh, you know, you, where you see the characters that are, that are just dots, right? On these things. Um, I can see how this becomes all the spaghetti Westerns and all that after, you know what I mean? Sure. I think we'll get more into this with, does it hold up? But for now, suffice to say that these landscapes and even the small soundstage shots that they do when they cut Mm -hmm. close and they're clearly on a set, those do a lot for the adventure aspect of this film. And I can see why people are really tied to that are really interested in that but yeah i think that overall this film is just like a halcyon nostalgic western that like reifies old white standards of yeah. good and evil Absolutely. and like i said earlier it hinges on this old white guy not killing his niece or daughter for getting raped yeah and that's a real yeah. bad look no it's not a good uh it's not a good um moral to this story at all and and i'll Uh, also say that this is very familiar in the showcasing of this rugged individual mm -hmm. who is going to go their own way right he's Mm -hmm. not going to take the orders from the reverend who is also a official of the texas rangers so neither military nor religion he issues all of that to go his own way because he knows the right path and that's such a toxic idea and we mm-hmm. see it in so much, but yeah. usually, well, I don't think it's, I often don't think it's done well, but I think it's done a little bit better than we see in this. And we also know that John Wayne was against the deconstructive Westerns that we've watched on the list. Yeah. He yeah. was yeah. adamantly against them. against them. Yeah. So we really know that, that this does become the fodder for those deconstructive Westerns, uh, of which I'm very glad, right? I like a lot yeah. of those deconstructive Westerns and really don't want to see any other films like this and i think it's a tragedy that it's this high on the list yeah i i i think that narratively there there's really really problems with this list being or this film being this high on the list i think that you know if you if if you ignore the racism and the sexism which i think a lot of people do uh when they watch movies like this it makes sense where it is right because the narrative itself is tight right sure uh, and the and the visuals are are fantastic it is an event right and they do a nice balance uh, of comedy and and action except for when again you think about like that last 30 minutes as as you've pointed out right like it becomes like a comedy and then they slaughter a a, a bunch of people <laughs> so i'm thinking Back of the new Blu-ray case, we'll put, if you ignore the racism, if you ignore the sexism, it's actually pretty good, Ethan Knight. It's actually pretty good, Ethan <laughs> Knight. There you go, right? That's my glowing endorse. Right. It's such a it's such a thing that, you know, we just we will not accept in 2020, right? The idea that yeah. you can't ignore these things. Now, I imagine yeah. a lot of people do ignore those things, like you said. But, yeah, yeah for something we're supposed to say this is the 12th best American, American fin- film yeah of all time is is it's not a good look at the voting committee either it's alarming yeah yeah 
So we've been dancing on top of it for a while now, yeah. but let's look at does this film hold up? Well, I think that, as I pointed out, right, if you ignore the racism, if you ignore the sexism, and you focus on the rest of it, sure, yeah. I mean, it's an entertaining movie. It, it did, I don't think it drags very much. I think it, you know, I was I was held by it, you know, the the whole time. I mean, but but enough horrible shit. But I mean, it is it's simply too racist. That that's the that's the answer here is that like it is far too racist. The it is the opposite of like Dances with Wolves. I mean, I, I think it really is like in Dances with Wolves, all the all the bad people are like they're just Indians, kill them, right? And in and in this movie, that's like the moral. They're just Indians, kill them, right? Like, which is not. Yeah, but I mean, we should also be careful to say that Dances with Wolves is not perfect either. In that, no, not all Native not. Americans are these like liberated, special, like mystic individuals, right? I think right. that's like it's a version of the magical black man, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it's the, and it's the noble savage, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's that that trope as well. But but at least there, there, you know, the, these Native American characters have, you know. A character and they're not just lit- I mean Scar is literally called Scar because he has a scar on his face he's also played by a German man yes a German man and so you know like the here the Native Americans are nothing more than an existential threat to white people and that's it there's no motivation they just kill the men because they kill the men right uh they want to steal the women so they can rape them. They, you know, uh, they wander around because they are, like, less than human, right? Like, there, there is no – they have no justification for their actions. They are barely given any speaking parts. When we do see them in some sort of role that is in any way uh, positive, they're, they're also getting, like, kicked down a hill. Um, right. You know, and then even her, you know, the death of the, of that character is left up in the air. Like, could she have been betraying them? Ba-da-da-da. Well, I don't know. But, you know, can you blame her? You kicked her down a hill double-legged and, like, slapped her around and shit. Like, right. And they're also like, well, who who knows? Also, who cares? Right? They just move on from her death with really no absolutely. fanfare. Yes. I mean, she's literally just thrown, thrown to the side. Um, we don't even get to see, like, they don't mention burying her, anything. They just, we see her dead and they move on. Uh, so yeah, this film, I think at the end of the day, the, the racism is too overwhelming and not even to mention the sexism. Yeah. I mean, they're both implicated, right? The idea that this racism is heavily invested in the sexism also yeah, because it's the white women that they're afraid of, of this racism, right? The racism stems from the purity, the sanctity of the white woman. Yes, and the idea that the white that you know his the, his niece or daughter could be so ruined by you know living with Native Americans by having sex with Native Americans, right? Uh, that that she's that it's just better to kill her than to let her live. Yeah, she's you know, unredeemable, right? Utterly unredeemable. I mean, he's ready to shoot her in the face. So, for my part, I think that you know we talked about the adventure aspect of this and the vistas and how. It is gorgeous, and they have a lot of people on screen in big shots. They've got all those buffalo that was nice until they shot mm-hmm. them all, and then they had a bunch of horses. Right. Like it's, it's nice to see these big, big shots, right? Yeah, it's an epic movie. But then also there's like little things that you see. So we were watching a lot of these like Native American fight scenes where they're shooting them off horses and stuff. It looks like a couple of people get trampled, like they fall yeah. off a horse, and then you see the horse very clearly stomp all over them. 
and then they cut yeah. away and it's like whoa i don't think that was planned because these are the big like yeah. landscape shots where people are running across the screen in mass it's like i don't think I, that was supposed to happen i noticed that too so that's a little upsetting and we can, <laughs> we, we, we know a lot about like earlier film f- shooting where it wasn't exactly all kosher in terms of safety yeah i don't know that there's like a safety that. officer on set making sure the stunt people aren't getting fucking crushed <laughs> well i'm sure these aren't even stunt people i think they're just extras right extras Which is more oh, concerning God. because these a lot of these people who are extras are actual native americans native americans and it's yeah. like how much did they ensure their safety so it just kind of it rears its ugly head again and it's again. like are we just seeing the same thing here as we are in the film right yeah so let's jump to our third and final question do we care about this movie well I, you know, I, I think that we can care about it as the, as the sort of chestnut that it is, right? I think that it's it really, it's the best purpose for this film is, is to point out what all these other Western films that come after it are, are beginning to do, right? Like this is the conservative, uh, you know, old guard Western film that, you know, all the deconstructive westerns as we've come to call them have are, are deconstructing right i think it's it's a way to show us like what what we've moved away from what we what we don't want to do anymore i agree with that but i can't go with you down the road if we care about it like i think on principle i have to say i do not care about this film because it's like saying well i care about the nazi holocaust in like a positive sense right right because we got the microwave out of it oh right yeah so like that's a grand overstatement i think right but at the same time i i'm being reductive to say as an example i i don't want to get behind this film and say that we care about it just because deconstructive westerns are you know taking it apart right i think yeah i think we can care about one and not the other Uh, yeah i don't i wouldn't say that this film in and of itself as a film has has much redeeming value as the sort of pieces that we can break it into, I think it has some value. Is this a film? I mean, I think you can, I think if we were to think about teaching this, right, I think you can probably choose a less racist film to be the counter to something like Spaghetti Westerns or, you know, Sundance Kid, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the one that the list has chosen, I think. But can we choose something better? Almost certainly. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, but I also think I'm not going to look for other ones. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> so that's going to do it for us this week. I'll let you know we will be back next week on Patreon for the Patrons of the Arts. And that film, little one called Return of the Jedi. Oh my gosh, Return of the Jedi. And then we'll be back two weeks pr- uh, from then, back on the top 100 on AFI with 1931 city lights city lights now nothing about that but i'm sure i will learn in time me too (laughs) so until then i've been matt bazell and i'm ethan knight and there will be spoilers there will be spoilers hopefully with less racism there will be spoilers 100 films 100 podcasts was created and hosted by matt bazell and me ethan knight matt bazell produces our episodes each week Our music was created by the strange and unusual Breakmaster Cylinder, who you can find all over the internet. Our artwork was created by Becca Knight, who can be found on Twitter at BeccaTheKnight, and that's Knight with a K. 
you can follow There Will Be Spoilers on Twitter at SpoilersCast. And you can hear more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like our podcast, you can support us on Patreon for $5 a month at patreon.com slash spoilerscast. Your donation gives you access to two extra bonus episodes a month. Thank you for listening, and please tune in next week for more spoilers. Spoilers.